Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the City Baptist Church Podcast. We would love to have you join us for a service in person. You can find all the information you need on our website at citybaptist.church. All right, we're in Philippians chapter 1 today, and uh, this morning I want to talk to you about the subject of the blessing of Christian friendships, the blessing of Christian relationships. You know, as I mentioned, it is such a blessing for me to serve alongside of you as a church family. And yesterday, I got to tell you, um, the people that are there at the building, uh, they were just blown away uh, by our church family and, and your energy and your desire to serve and work. They, they said to me over and over again, they're like, wow, I can't believe how many people are here. I can't believe how many people are, are helping out. And, uh, and I said, this is just a few, you know, it's not even everybody. And they were just blown away by that. And I'm so encouraged. And, and to me, as your pastor, it's an honor to serve in ministry together with you. And I'm so excited to be able to take this next step with you. There's only a handful of you that are here today that were a part of this big step of starting here uh, at the TAP studio. And there's way more of you that are going to take this next step with us. And I'm just excited about that and going it through with you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go through it with anybody else but you, church family, just so you know. And I love serving the Lord together with you. And like I mentioned, the last few weeks have been uh, very reflective for me as I've been looking back and considering all of the great things that God has done in this place and the people that have been saved here and discipled here and the relationships that have been built and how God has made such a difference in my life and radically transformed my life over these last seven years here in this space. But as I am reflective and as I look back and I think about all of the things that God has done here, there's one thing that really stands out to me above anything else and it is the friendships, it is the relationships that we have developed here in this place as a church family together. That is the thing that stands out above anything. You know, for all of us, we have friends outside of the church. We have family and, of course, people that we spend time with, coworkers, people we went to high school or elementary school with. But I got to tell you, there is a special bond that develops, that grows between people of faith that is unique, that is special, and it is something, church, that we should cherish something that we should give high value to, and it is something that we should be nurturing as a church family. Now, of course, we live in a world today that fiercely promotes individualism, don't we? Right? I mean, we live in a world that promotes and highlights the individual. I mean, the movies that make the most money, did you ever recognize this? The movies that make the most money typically, unless it's like Fast and Furious, which anyway, that's a whole other story. We'll talk about that today. But most of the movies that make the most money typically revolve around an individual, right, who's gone through so much pain that they can't trust anybody, nor do they trust anybody, but they channel that pain as an individual to, you know, take down some great evil. And we all go, wow, man, that's amazing, you know. And the world promotes that individual idea, though, the idea like, I'm just going to do whatever I got to do, and I don't trust anybody, I, don't, I can't trust anybody. And that mentality certainly has flown into our society. We live in a very individualistic society, and, it, and it's honestly made it difficult to develop close relationships. Truthfully, people are guarded today, aren't they? People are even unwilling uh, to open up. Suspicion rules the heart. <laughs> Maybe I'm talking to some of you today. <laughs> but suspicion is something that rules the heart and, and all that they, they think about. And adding to that, isolation hasn't helped us at all, has it? That definitely hasn't happened. Uh, those that were just developing relational skills are back now and struggling again. But it hasn't helped us. But that's really the mindset and that's the idea of our world. And I'll tell you what, this is what our world believes, that if you're a true friend, you will agree on every single thing. <laughs> Everything will be perfect. There will never be any uh, discussion or conflict. And our world has that. Uh, as well, people feel that if their real life friends don't reflect some sort of TV friendship, 
where you just sit around a coffee shop, you know, it's all you do and you talk and, and all of these kind of things that happen. And if your real life friends don't match up with your TV idea of friends, then it must not be a real friendship. And you walk away from it. You add to that the shallowness of friendship in social media. Okay, let's be honest, okay? Yes, you might have reconnected with your kindergarten teacher, uh, but there's a lot of people on there that the, the surface level of relationship just really isn't there. Or that's all that there is. I'm sorry, that's all that there is. There's nothing really any deeper than that. And it doesn't give us confidence when you see how quickly people turn on one another and you know, hide behind their computers to attack and go after each other. And you're like, hey, I thought we were friends since 2007, as it says on Facebook, you know? <laughs> my, memories, my memories said that we were friends. What happened? So that's our world when it comes to friendship. But you know what? In Scripture, a different picture is painted for us. And it's a picture of genuine, true, thick, uh, through thick or thin kind of friendships. The kind of friendships that truly can develop into what we would call, as the title of today is, best friends forever, right? BFF. How many of you got a BFF? Come on now. All right. All the kids are like, yeah, I got a BFF right now. It's my mommy. No, okay. you got a BFF. That's actually a good person to be your BFF. But your best friend, you know, I said forever. What is it for life? You know, I said forever today, and it's strategic because what we bond around as Christians is something that is eternal, right? We are friends because, and we can have lifelong friendships and eternal friendships because of our bond in Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. Jesus, the only created being, of course, indwelled by the Spirit and, and, and came by virgin birth, Jesus, even the all-powerful Son of God, decided to surround himself with people. If there was someone who could be the individual, right, who could take care of anything that was thrown his way, it would be Jesus. But yet he chose to surround himself with people that would walk with him, that would spend time with him, that would be with him through the darkest of times. Other places in scripture, we have great examples of friendships. There's David and Jonathan. There's uh, Ruth and Naomi. Elijah and Elisha, they got along pretty well, didn't they? Mary and Elizabeth. And then, of course, there's the Apostle Paul, because he's probably one of the greatest examples of someone who had a lot of deep, meaningful relationships. Think about it for a minute. His friendship with Silas, his friendship with Barnabas, Priscilla, Aquila, Aphrodite, and others. We could go on and on. People that he called dear friends that he was connected with, that he had a relationship that extended far beyond just like a fist bump and, hey, how are you doing today? These were real, genuine relationships that even though they were separated by great distances and even great amounts of time, they still had a, a unique bond and a connection. You know, today, we have the ability to stay connected in a way like no other generation has. But yet our relationships are more shallow than ever before. But yet people like Paul, as we're going to see in a minute, is in prison and he's writing to people about the deep bond and connection that they have, even though they're separated by all of these other circumstances. So Paul is an example to us of what, it, uh, what is possible. And it is possible for us as believers to have intentional, close, deep relationships. But I got to tell you, it does not happen unless we are intentional about it. It does not happen unless we actually put effort into it. We've got to be intentional about developing them. And as I talked about the Apostle Paul, he is someone who did a great job at building lasting, sharpening is a scriptural term, growing friendships. And here in Philippians chapter one, what we're going to see is a passage where Paul is speaking to his friends. And that's really what it is. He's speaking to his friends in the Lord, and he gives us here an example. He gives us a pattern of fostering new and developing deep relationships within the local church. And that's what I want to talk about today, because we are in a time of transition, aren't we? 
Yeah, it's okay. We are. We are. Just so you know, we are, in case you're wondering, if you come here in two weeks, you'll be like, something changed here, you know, it's transition. And, and as a church family, listen, we've got to bond together like never before. Not because I'm like, oh man, you know, we're changing and maybe you won't make the drive over there or whatever. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But anytime a growing church is in a time of transition, there's always a temptation for separation and, 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 and us to kind of fall apart from one another. Now, we went through that in COVID, didn't we? Man, it was tough. It was hard for me because I had to talk to a camera all the time, and you guys never said, said anything back to me. Not at all. Remember, I was always like, say something in the chat. Remember that all the time. And you guys got so tired of that, I know. Put it in the chat. Hello, pastor. I'm here, you know. But we felt disconnected from that. And I feel like, man, God's given us an opportunity. We've grown. We've seen new people coming. And we're, we're, we're getting through that. But again, a time of transition means we need to really be intentional about growing together and connecting together again. Now, like I mentioned, Philippians is one of Paul's prison epistles. It's written from Rome at about AD 61. He's waiting literally for his head to be taken off for preaching the gospel when he writes this to this church in Philippi. Now, Philippi uh, is a city, we would call it maybe the first church in modern-day Europe. We talked about this during our uh, study of the book of Acts. But this church was founded in a very unique way. Now, I'm not going to go all into it. Acts chapter six, uh, 15 and 16 uh, give it to us. But the launch story of the church in Philippi, it, it involved a businesswoman, a demon-possessed girl, and a prison warden. Now, I have a brother who's a prison warden. No, not a warden. I have a brother who's a prison guard. Whenever I tell people that, they say, oh, man, you know, like, what did he do? But no, he's, he just works there, okay? He's not in prison. He's just working there. Um, but imagine, this is how this church was started. A demon-possessed girl, a businesswoman, and somebody who was saved who ran a prison. And to me, it's an amazing picture of the grace of God to see this church founded. And I just think about our church and how God has brought together so many people from so many different backgrounds. And, and God has just, man, connected us so uniquely. But this is the background of the church in Philippi. And Paul dearly loved this church. And so what does he do is he begins to speak to them. And we see a glimpse of Paul's relationship with this church that we can learn from and develop our own Christian relationships. Okay, you ready to go? Here we go. Let's get into Philippians chapter one, verse number one. It says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, right away at the beginning here, we see Paul's unique relationship from the church, with the church. Now, for the first time in all of his other epistles, Paul would often begin uh, by emphasizing his apostleship, but here he doesn't do that at all. Here he gets right to the point and he says, uh, Timothy and I are servants of Jesus Christ, is what he says. And he uses the word uh, that is translated doulos, which means bond slave, which what he's saying here is that I am a willing slave. I have given myself over to God to serve him. And that's what he's trying to say. He's, he's saying, I'm not somebody who's been forced into it, but in fact, I chose to be the servant of God. Now, that would have connected with people in Philippi because many people, a very high percentage of the Roman Empire were bond slaves. They were people who, who turned themselves over for the purpose of job security, financial security, all of that. And they, they, in, they were called indentured servants. And they said, I, I will willingly serve you. It was not a forced thing. I will willingly serve you in this way. And so Paul and Timothy, he's saying to them, listen, I am speaking to you as your brother in Christ, as somebody who has willingly placed myself under the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the reason I mentioned this at the beginning is because this is what we all need to be, right? We all need to be at this place where we willingly place ourselves under and willingly place ourselves in a position of service to the Lord. Aren't you thankful God doesn't force us? 
to serve him? (laughs) If you feel like God is up in heaven flicking you (laughs) and forcing you to do things, or you feel this intense pressure like I have to do this thing or God's going to be angry at me, you don't know who God is. I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. You don't really know who he is. God desires that we willingly choose to love him, choose to serve him. And I'm so thankful for that today. I would not want to be a robot just sort of marching around with no free will of my own. God says, I want you to choose me. I want you to love me. And there's such uniqueness in there with God's sovereignty and free will and how it all connects together. I just love that. It's amazing. It's amazing. But here Paul says to them, I am a, uh, I put myself in a position of serving the Lord. Meaning he's saying, I don't, I'm not writing this to you. I'm not talking about my friendship because I have to do it. And that's the point here. You know, it's not like, hey, Julius, I love you as a brother in Christ because I have to. I don't like you, but I love you, brother, right? That's not what he's saying. He's setting the tone here, and he's saying, I'm the servant of God, and you're the servant of God, and because of that, we have something that's unique that nobody else has. It's interesting. Jude and Peter and James all refer to themselves in this way. So Paul says that, then he greets them. You notice that he greeted the saints, the bishops, the deacons. This deals with the structure of the church. He's writing to all of them. And then in the verse, what he says there to him is he says, I come to you, and he says, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this, that he greets them with grace and with peace. And he says, listen, I want to I remind you of the fact that Jesus is the source of peace. He's the one that I can come to you with, and I can say that to you. And so immediately we see a, a humility. Do you see that? We see Paul speaking to them with a a humble attitude, saying, listen, I I have chosen to serve God and I love God. And so as a result, we have this uniqueness and I wish grace and peace upon you. That's a great way to start friendships. Did you know that? (laughs) I wish grace and I wish peace upon you. That doesn't mean that we always say to each other, peace be upon thee. (laughs) I always like when people say that to me because this is not, you know, peace be upon thee and upon thy children. Thank you. (laughs) But we should wish that upon each other, you know? That's a good thing, actually. That is a good thing. It's a good thing to want that for one another. And so this is the greeting that Paul gives to his friends. But now we see how he gets intentional about it. And we learn a lot about it in this opening greeting to the church. First of all, point number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to see how the church was on his mind, number one. This is how we can develop relationships that are strong, that stand the test of time. Paul here, the church was on his mind. Look at verse three through five. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now think about that. I thank God every time I think about you, every time I remember you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So what do we see here? What we see is that Paul uh, thanks God every time he remembers them. Now, if you know the history of Paul in Philippi, you know that he got beat up while he was there. You know that he went through some great suffering in Philippi. And so he didn't start out, he's like, man, remember when those people beat me, you know, and, and I hope that you've led them to Christ by now because I'm still upset about it. He didn't say anything like that. He just said, I want you to know, he said that when I think of you, I only have good thoughts towards you. I thank God for you every time I think about you. Uh, every time I think about you. I wonder, do you have friends that every time you think about them, you thank God for them? Do you have friends that when you see them and you get together with them, say, man, I'm so, God, thank you. Thank you for who you've given to me. I wonder, are you the kind of friend that people, when they're around you, say, I'm so thankful for you. (laughs) They don't have to say it to you to your face, but are you that kind of friend to them? And Paul, he says, when I think about them, I think and I thank God for who they are. But I want you to notice in verse number six, he continues by thinking specific Christian thoughts towards them. I think this is great. 
He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, the verb tense that is in this passage here indicates to us that Paul has been sure about from the very first until the day that he wrote this. He says, I'm very sure of the fact that God has saved you, that he has redeemed you, and that he is continuing to do a good work within your life uh, all throughout your time here on this earth. What he's saying here is that God, who began a good work of redemption on the cross, will continue the work of the gospel, the work of the cross, the work of sanctification in you. And he says you will, it will continue to happen until you meet Jesus face to face. Now, this to me is just so amazing because what he's saying here is he's like, listen, he said, I, I love you. I'm thankful. Every time I think about you, I thank God for you. And what, here's what I'm thinking about you, that God is going to keep doing something good in your life. He's saying that as I hear stories about what's happening in the church in Philippi, I know that God is doing something in your life. This is a mentality that we as believers need to have one to each other. This is a position of trust. Think about that. It is a position of trust that when you meet somebody, now our world, again, this is what we have to fight. When we meet somebody new, we're like, no, maybe don't do that, you know. My coat's kind of tight, so I couldn't lean back any farther. So maybe that looked weird to you. But, you know, we're, we're like, we're like eh, we'll see, right? We'll see if I can trust you. Prove to me that I can, you know, that I can be myself around you. And, and this is how we live. But the position that Paul has here, he's like, listen, God is doing a work in you. And I know he's continuing to do that work in you. And I celebrate that. I'm thankful for what he is doing in your life. And church, we need to look at each other in that way. You know what? We're not all the same people, are we? Thankfully. <laughs> Otherwise, you guys would all love poutine, right? And have their no variety. You love it. I love it. Just, you know, we're not all the same. Costco, specific. Costco poutine. And if you got to eat it within 10 minutes. Just so you know. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is <a> very specific rules. <laughs> very specific rules around that. Oh, that was weird. Uh, but thinking, we're not all the same. That's what I'm saying. We're all different people here. And, and you know what? We all grow at different paces, don't we? We all grow in our faith. Now, that's not a reason for us to say, yeah, well, I'm just taking my time growing in the Lord. I'm going to continue in sin so that grace may abound. That's not what we're talking about here. But we're all different. We're in different areas. And so, but when we look at each other and we say, wow, God is growing you. God is changing you. That doesn't leave room for envy anymore. That doesn't leave room for uh, us to uh, be critical of one another because we recognize that God is doing something in you. Yes, he saved you. Yes, you are, you are held, your, your salvation is secure. And yes, God is continuing to do a work. And if he's doing a work in you, he's doing a work in me. And we can celebrate that and we can look at each other with that viewpoint of humility. Man, that's great, isn't it? That's, that's so helpful. It's, it's been so helpful to me. This is how Paul addresses these people. And when that happens, it brings joy to our hearts. It brings joy. I don't think you can read those verses and be like, man, Paul seems like he's upset. No, not at all. He says, I thank God. I'm excited. I'm thankful for what God is doing in me. And it gives him confidence. And church, we need that because we live in a world where opinions divide, right? We live in a world where everything is something that can be used to divide me against you to prove that I'm better than you or that I figure things out ahead of you or I know more than you. And we live in a world that is so divided over so many things and it's intentional. Satan divides, God unites, right? Okay, get that in your head just so you know. 
Uh, Satan is the one who does the division. And as a church, we need to be people that, yes, we recognize we may have different opinions on things, but you know what? We are united in Jesus Christ. And though you may be a little bit different than me and you may think about something different than me, we can still think good thoughts to one another because God is doing a work in each and every one of us. Unique. Man, it's so unique. And that's special. And we should cherish it. And Paul says to them, he says, listen, I know that God is doing a great work in you. But it started with having them on his mind. Do you see that there? When I think about you, hey, do you think about your church family? Do you think about your church family? I think so often our thoughts are so full of ourselves that we don't give room for each other. We're so determined to be competitive. We compare ourselves. Remember, that's not wise, scripture says. Do not compare yourselves against each other. But we do. We compare ourselves. We're competitive that we don't actually think good thoughts towards one another. And if we're going to be intentional about building lasting, life-giving relationships, it begins in our thoughts. So Paul here says the church was on his mind, but secondly, the church was in his heart. Look at verse number seven and eight. He said, even as it is meet, that means right. So it says, even as it's right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Oh man, <laughs> that's great. It wasn't a, like a, just, it wasn't a chain, by the way, a little heart, you know, and there's a picture of you in there. And I have you in my heart. This is, this is deep here. And he gets really deep. He says, in as much as both in my bonds and in, so in his chains, he's in prison and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. Okay, this is, this is deep here. He's getting connected here. And then verse eight, he says, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Now, this is not something we would say today, just so you know. I'm gonna explain it in just a moment here. But what he is saying here is something that is very deep. It's very personal. First of all, there is a difference between having someone on your mind and having them in your heart, right? You know, today we would say, man, I have you on my nerves, right? We would say, we understand that. We know what it's like, though, to think about somebody else, but to have somebody in your heart is a different thing because you can think negative thoughts towards somebody. You can, you can think good thoughts towards somebody, but to have somebody in your heart, that's, that's a, a deeper level here. And he says to them, I have you in my heart. And it, he's demonstrating his sincere love for his friends, something that cannot be disguised. It cannot be hidden. He says it is in my heart. That's why he uses the phrase partakers of my grace. That's an intense way of saying that we are united around the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And then he uses that phrase, like I mentioned, long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Now that's not how we would say it today, but in the ancient days, uh, before they really understood everyone's anatomy, right? Uh, they would say this phrase that their bowels, and the bowels to the ancient Hebrew, so to the Romans, when they said bowels, it meant intense, uh, it meant intense emotions like anger, fear, uh, uh, or love. But to the Hebrews, it meant a deep-rooted, it was basically the entirety of who I am. This is the feeling that I, th these are all the feels we would say today. Maybe, maybe it means more than that. You know, all the this is how I'm feeling towards you. It expresses the deepest level of connection that you could have with another person. Uh, you know, they, I, I don't know if Florian said this on your wedding day to you. <laughs> from my bowels, I feel, you know, <laughs> I love you, Linda. From my, okay, no, we wouldn't, okay? But he probably said to her at some point, I love you with all my heart. I hope he said that. I'm sure he will. He just whispered it right now. Okay, we got it. It's covered. 
Paul is not talking about an intellectual feeling, okay? It's an emotional love towards this church. I think we could probably understand it this way. Do you remember how you felt when you had to give your first public speech at school? Right? Sick to my stomach, right? <laughs> Do you remember how you felt or how you feel when you're scared or you're nervous or you go down a roller coaster? What do we say? I got butterflies, right? What do you say when you realize you're in love? It's something fluttery inside of me, you know, and you feel that? Or when you had nachos late at night, right? You got these, <laughs> these feelings, these feelings, right? So that's what he's saying here. He's saying there's a deep level connection. There's something that is so special. And he says, I have this towards you. You are in my heart. And I want you to notice, church, that he only could have this connection because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. This is what he says. Because of Jesus Christ. You know, as a pastor, I, I dream about our church developing and building these kind of close relationships like Paul and this church here at Philippi. Now, guess what? We do have that. And I'm so thankful for that. But it can always expand. It can always grow. You know, I wonder, when you come to church, or maybe when you see somebody outside of church, is there, is there an emotional love? Is there, a, is there a love that moves within you when you see them? On a Friday night, uh, I met up with John for coffee. And uh, uh, John's been sick. I haven't seen him for a while, you know. And so I got to see him. We went and had coffee. And uh, we're sitting there at uh, JJ Bean. And we're sitting outside on the patio. And who do you know who drives by but Julius drives by? No, wow, the Lord is in this place. <laughs> All right, let's not <laughs> joke. Anyway, he drives by, which ironically, he had texted me earlier in the day and said, I did you just drive in front of Yokes, which is this place over here? And I said, no, I did not. But anyway, he's, he couldn't tell me apart from other people. So anyway, <laughs> so I see him and guess what? His window was down. So do you know what John and I did? Julius! You know, we saw him, right? And he's all like, and he, pull, you know, he pulls over, came over and talked to us. And do and you know what? Both John are like, man, it's awesome we got to see him. And then a few minutes later, guess who drove by? Christine and Brandon drove by. And guess who yelled at us from their window? The people sitting around us are like, what in the world? You know, is this guy, they were taking my picture. Is he famous? No, uh, they're figuring it out. John, sorry, John. And, uh, and, and they were, and, 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 and you know what? When they, when they, and then you drove back again later on. They were getting food or something. You know, what are you doing? Anyway, they come back and we waved each other. We yelled at each other. And guess what? I had all the feels. You know, I was like, man, it's awesome. Some of you have talked, uh, I've heard stories about some of you like running into each other at parks and different places, you know, and there's something that's so special there uh, when we connect and it's because we have true love for each other. And I'm so thankful, you know, rather than seeing each other simply as people who sit in our seats <laughs> or ate the donut I wanted <laughs> or whose kid knocked over my kid <laughs> or who did something I don't agree with. We have a genuine love towards each other, a genuine love. Now, you might be thinking right now, Pastor, you don't know how people have treated me. You don't know how much I have to be guarded to protect what the damage that's already been done. You might say, Pastor, I can't, I can't just love strangers. I can't just love people in my row at church like that. I just can't, I can't do it. Paul is not saying that this is a natural thing here. Now, as a believer, there is a level of natural inclination towards other believers. You ever meet somebody, you know, is wearing a cross or something? You're like, are you a Christian? You know, in some lineup, oh yeah, I am. And there's, there is that natural aspect of it. But loving people in this way is not a natural thing. It is supernatural. Do you realize that? Because it's only possible for someone who's been hurt, 
for someone who's been through tragedy and been uh, uh, torn up and chewed up and spit out by this world and by unkind and sinful people, it is only a supernatural thing that would allow that kind of relationship to develop. If you remember John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. There's no quantifiers here. He says, if you trust me and follow me, there will be joy that comes from me. Then he says, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now here, there's some pretty intense things here. Uh, Loving others as God has loved us, laying down our life for our friends. That's only possible through the the uniqueness of Christ's love that we can exemplify. Remember, God's love for us is sacrificial. He gave it all for us. And in doing so, he gave us an example of how we can love one another. And I'll tell you what, when Jesus gave his life for you on the cross, he did not say, remember all the bad things you did to me. He didn't say that. He said, remember, you guys didn't believe on me. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'll tell you, church, you might have been hurt deeply by somebody, but you can certainly ask for forgiveness from the Father to help you forgive, and you can turn that over to them. And it is possible then for you to love somebody, even someone in this church family that you don't really know that well right now. You can truly love somebody in that special and that unique way. There's some really nice music playing right now. Do you hear that? I think it's the computer, isn't it? <laughs> Something. That's a nice ringtone. I like that. Harris, text that to me. <laughs> that's really nice. That's, that's better than mine. So Paul here is separated by distance. He's separated by prison. But he had this true Christian friendship, and he loved them. They were in his heart. And church family, we can do that for one another. We can treat each other in that way. We can love each other in that special way. But they've got to be in our hearts. And that takes us being open to that, being intentional about it, connecting with them in that level. Lastly, we see that the church was in his prayers. I love this. Verse number nine through 11, he says, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ until the glory, uh, unto the glory and praise of God. So here's what he does. He closes out this uh, greeting of thankfulness by telling them what his prayers are for them. And I think this is really great. By the way, I think it's a good thing for us to tell one another what we're praying for each other. Have you ever done that? Say, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for God's grace for you. I'm praying for God's strength. You know, when they're going through difficulty, I'm praying for you to raise your children uh, as, as God wants you to raise them or whatever it may be. It's good for us to tell people how we are praying for them and, and not in a, not in a um, uh, self-serving way, you know, just in a kind way, like this is what I am praying for you. I want you to know. And we should take those kind of um, uh, people who say that to us, we should take that and say, wow, that's amazing. Thank you for that. What an honor it is. What a, what a blessing it is to have people praying specifically to God for you. Not just like, God bless all our church family. Amen. Good night. You know, uh, and this food, you know, <laughs> just throw us in there with the food, you know, church family food. No, it means specific. I'm so thankful for many of you that pray specifically for our family. And I'm thankful for that. I pray specifically for every one of you here today that I know. <laughs> You're on my prayer list. If you come to church, you get added to it. And I pray specifically for you. Uh, Even if I don't know what's going on, I pray peace and grace and and love uh, from the Lord in your life. And this is a great thing that we can do. And Paul here says, I'm praying some specific things. So here's what he prayed to them. First of all, he prayed that their love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Now, this is great. 
He's praying here uh, that uh, as they grow in their love and their, uh, d- as they develop in their love for other people, he wants them to love with knowledge and in judgment. Do you see that there? What that means is discernment. And so Paul is saying, church, you need to be loving each other, but there needs to be some discernment in that love. Here's what it means. It means that love truly is not blind. <laughs> Have you heard that before? See, here's the danger. Sometimes, you know, you go to church and I'm like, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. You need to, you know, love in this amazing way. But then we think, well, what if someone takes advantage of me, right? Because guess what? We've all been taken advantage of before. And so that's the, the thing that creeps into our hearts is, well, I can't do that then because if I, if I do that, then someone's going to hurt me again and they're going to take advantage of me. Here's what Paul is saying. It is possible for you to love with discernment. It is possible to love others with discernment and to understand certain situations. You know, uh, I've, I've ministered in East Vancouver for uh, 16 years. I don't know if I'm right on that. Yeah, pretty close. No? Oh, no, I'm not. Sorry. 12 years. 12 years I've ministered in East Van. So I was thinking all ministry. All ministry 16. Here in East Van, about 12 years. And uh, guess what? I've had some people that I've spoken with and spent time with who maybe had, had a difficult time, had a rough story. And, and I wanted to show Christ's love to them. And so maybe I helped them out financially with something, you know? I, I bought something for them, put gas in their vehicle or whatever. I experienced this a lot over at, at Greater Vancouver when I was there. And then you know what happened the next month? The same person would come back around the church with the same story, same story that I could, and often I would finish the end of the story. They'd say, oh yeah, man, you really feel me, right? And I say, well, guess what? I still love that person. I didn't give them money that day though. I still love them. And the reason I didn't give them money, do you know why? Because they told me the same story the month before, the exact same story. Their kids were locked in the truck uh, two blocks up the street, you know, and they needed gas to get to uh, get out to Chilliwack because all this had happened. And guess what? I learned to still love people. And I often would say, well, I'll go, you know what? If you need some food, I'll take you out. I'll buy you some food. We'll do that. But I learned to love with discernment. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Okay. Again, this is not loving with suspicion, loving with discernment. We always begin from a beginning of trust, a position of trust. And you know what? If you love somebody with trust and they take advantage of that trust, that's not on you. That's not on you. That's on them. We are commanded to love. But Paul here says you can love with discernment. You can love in knowledge and in judgment, meaning there are some uh, aspects uh, to it and, and you can love in this special way and you can help people, but there's also some wisdom to it. It frees us from being just gullible. It frees us from being uh, taken advantage of in the name of the love of Jesus Christ. I've had people take advantage of me in the name of Christ before, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, all right, I don't know about this, <laughs> but you learn. It takes time, but there is an, an element of learning here, but he also prays, uh, prayed that you may approve things which are excellent. So he says, I want you to love with wisdom, but approve things that are excellent. This is that Paul, uh, Paul's prayers that the church remain faithful uh, to the will of God. He's saying here, I want you to continue to pursue the will of God. It's like, it's like when, when somebody says to me, you know, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I don't know what direction to go in. And so what do I do? I pray that God's will will be revealed to them. He says, I want you to know the excellent way, the right way for which to go. Then he also says that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Now, this is an interesting phrase here. He uses the word sincere, which is a word taken from the Latin word sincerus, which means without wax. Interesting. Now, we're not talking about ears, okay? Just so you know. <laughs> what we're talking about is something that's very unique. So in Roman times, 
uh, what would happen, this is a, a, a thought process that developed this word, is that uh, sometimes someone would make a pot, you can see this here, and it would have a crack in it. Well, the person who made it, who just put all that time into it, it would crack maybe in the firing process. What they would do, and this is not right, by the way, is they would take wax and they would fill in the crack with wax. And then they'd maybe paint over it or color in some way so that you, you could not tell. And then some unsuspecting person would buy it. Look at this awesome you know, thing I got. And they get home. I'm going to boil up some water to make some tea. Well, guess what happens to wax you know, when you start to uh, uh, use it? Well, then the wax would melt away or some hot day. And they would see there's a crack. This thing is useless to me. And so that's where we get this word sincerus, which means without wax, which means it's genuine. It's not a fake. It's not, uh, it's not uh, putting out something that's not real. It is completely genuine. And he's saying here uh, to them, he says, I want you to be sincere. I want you to be genuine. You know, church, this is the place to be who you are. This is the place to be genuine. That doesn't mean that, well, I'm just an angry person, you know, and so I'm going to put my sin on full display here. No, God talks about that in the Word of God. We know the answer to it, all right? Let's deal with it. I, I experienced that earlier on in ministry uh, where there was a, just a very angry person, and he was always angry, and I had people say to me, well, that's just the way he is, and I was like, I don't, okay, the Bible talks about that. He can get some help for that, but church is not a place to just to be fake. You know what? You don't have to worry about you don't have to come to church and, and wonder, I wonder what everybody thinks about me. There's too much of that out there. There's too much of that out there. We think about that constantly. It's ridiculous how much we think about it, isn't it? You're right on the bus. I wonder what they think about my pants. You know, <laughs> you know oh man, somebody's going to see there's something on my shoe. Like, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous how much we worry about it. Church should not be that place. We should be able to come here as individuals who are not perfect who want to love God and where we can be loved for who God created us to be and who we are in the moment, in what we are going through in that time. This should not, you shouldn't have to stand outside the door and be like, all right, I'm ready to go. You shouldn't have to pump yourself up to pretend to be something else to come to church. This is where you can be genuine. It's not the place to be fronting, as we used to say. And so don't walk around praising God and then talking about each other behind each other's backs, right? Don't be high-fiving and fist-bumping and be like, what a jerk. Don't be that. Don't be that. Get right with that person if that's how you feel. <laughs> Get right with God. Forgive. Be forgiven. Find your joy again and be genuine. Be genuine. And that's what he says. I want you to be sincere. Be sincere. And then notice how he says, and without offense till the day of Christ. Without offense till the day of Christ. Now, you, you can't live a genuine Christian life without offending somebody at some point. The gospel is offensive to a lost world. Did you know that? Have you ever had somebody get offended at you because you were trying to live for the Lord? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's going to happen, all right? Uh, they get upset at you for trying to, to walk righteously. But what he's talking about here is not so much just offending one another. is He's just talking about having relationship integrity. Having relationships of integrity. In other, way, in other words, we could put it this way, living a life that would not cause another person to sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31 talks about this. He says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. There's a great lesson in here for teenagers. I've never preached it. I always want to preach it. I want to call the message, whatever is what I want to call it. And just uh, <laughs> preach on that verse right there, whatever you do. 
And then he says, give none offense, neither to the Jews or the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. He's saying in all aspects of life, we're to bring glory to God, lead others to Christ. And if our lifestyle choices, if our uh, decisions that we make, if our social media leads another person to sin, then we are not living a life without offense. Again, we live in a world today that is just like, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm going to do what I want. Okay, the Christian life is not that way. We do care. We do uh, pay attention to how others respond to us. We do, it doesn't mean we live in fear and there are limits to that, just so you know. There are limits to it. But we do make sure that we try to live our life to not bring sin or, or a sinful offense into somebody else's life. We are to be growing in the spirit. That's what he says there, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are in Christ Jesus. This is again what he's praying. Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. So here's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit is to be producing fruit in our lives. And Paul is praying that for these people. If you say, I don't know what to pray for our church family, pray the fruit of the spirit on their lives. Pray that they would be growing in these ways and walking and becoming more like Jesus Christ because all of these are to the glory and praise of God. And this is the prayer that Paul is giving here to this church at Philippi and it is what we should be praying for one another. So let's wrap it all up. Okay, we're almost done. You ready? You're like, oh, okay. Let's wrap it up. There's a lot today, but let's wrap it up. Paul is explaining and illustrating to us through these verses the joy that he has in his friendships with the people at Philippi. And this is great. I love reading it and getting to know Paul and getting to know these people in this way. And as we read, we see his thoughts and his feelings and how he prayed for them to grow and to develop in their walk with God. And that is the challenge for us today, church. The challenge for us is that we would be people who think good thoughts towards one another, first of all. People who develop, I'm not saying you're going to have everyone in your heart immediately, okay? But it is possible for you to truly love your church family in that special way, to truly connect with them and, and have a genuine love towards them. It is possible for us to pray. I think sometimes all we do, like I mentioned, we just say, well, bless, bless the church, Lord, and bless everybody there. You know, unless we know of a specific, intense, you know, difficult time that they're going through, it's really very generic. But here, he says, I, these are the specific things that I pray for them. And I think we have to ask ourselves, beyond do I have any relationships like that, we need to ask ourselves, am I the kind of person that's willing to even step into that kind of friendship? See, too often as believers, we find ourselves closer with those that do not know Christ than those that do know him. Sometimes we put more effort into connecting with an unsaved coworker than we do with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And church, again, what happens is that then the gathering of God's people together just becomes more of a checkbox item that we do because we're not investing in it. I'm just doing this thing. I'm just going to go to church. All right, I did it. Now I'm gone for the day, gone for the week. But God says it's deeper than that. Yes, you should develop relationships. You should lead people to Christ. You should. But your deepest, most intense, most vulnerable, open relationships and friendships should be with the people of God because they understand you in a way that nobody else can. As much as you love your coworker, as much as you might love an unsafe family member, they do not understand you in that unique way. There's nothing greater than a friendship that's based on a mutual love for God. 
And I'm so blessed to have so many of you as my, as my friends. I'm so blessed to have you as a church family. I'm so blessed personally to have other pastors that are close to me in this way. People that I haven't seen, some of them for two years. <laughs> They're in the States or where I haven't seen them in so long. But you know what? They still call me. They still text me. They still say, I'm praying this for you today. They reach out to me because I know they genuinely, I'm in their heart. And you know what that gives me? Great confidence. Great confidence that they do desire God's best for me and they do pray for me. And church, that's what we need with one another. That it wouldn't just be all about like what's going on in the world or whatever the news is. Like those are important things, of course, but that we're sharing a bond of Christian relationship, of growth. That when somebody asks you, how are you doing in your walk with God? That we don't get upset about it, right? I love asking that question because sometimes people feel like, what? <laughs> you don't think I'm walking with God? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm not asking that because I don't think that. I'm asking it because I want to encourage you, right? That's an encourage. We should, we should want to be challenged in that way. That's what a real friend does. A real friend is, is deep in that way. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. And we have to remember that. It's all because of him. It, it is not natural to us. It is unnatural. And that's okay because it's godly. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit empowered that makes that possible for us. This is God's desire for us as the church. This is how you can, you can tr truly say, you know, my best friend's forever at my church because we are gonna have to live together in heaven too. I don't like that phrase, have to. We get to. <laughs> we get to live together forever. And that's a unique thing that we can foster relationships that are gonna continue for an eternity. What a blessing that is. Let's be a church that thinks about each other, that has each other in our hearts and that prays for one another and that we have a spirit of thankfulness to the Lord for who he has brought into our life. You know, sure, we all wish for the perfect church, don't we? We all wish for the perfect, you know, church that has all of, you, you know, you might think in your mind, man, I wish somebody in the church had a, had a Ferrari and I wish somebody had, let me borrow it or I don't know. We have all this idea of what our perfect church might be. But you know what? God has brought us together in a special way, in a unique way. And this is, the people in this room are who you need in your life right now. And they're gifts from God. Not somebody you gotta put up with. They are gifts from God. And we can give him all the praise for that. And we can thank him for what he has done and the group that he has brought together at City Baptist. I wanna encourage you today, let's invest in our relationships right here in this room. Let's invest in them. Let's be willing to be vulnerable. Maybe up until this point, you've been unwilling to even try to an attempt to develop relationships with people. Can I encourage you today to do that, to make that a focus? and be willing to be open and say, this is, this is who I am. <laughs> and I promise you, you'll be amazed at what God can do. God wants us to have great friendships and relationships and it happens right here in the local church. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. We hope that today's message was a help to your relationship with God. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as you pursue His will for your life.